Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? Doing fantastic per usual today. Hope everyone listening is doing fantastic as well. This episode was a last minute decision. Am I? Is it fair to say that? That it was a last minute decision to put it on the public feed? Maybe not last minute, but it was a decision yeah. that we made to put on the public feed. And I've made the decision recently to ask you how you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. I'm doing great. And yeah, we've decided to put this episode on the public feed to promote our subscription service. It's called Missing Premium. And for just $3 a month, you can get every single episode of Missing ad-free. But for $5 a month, you get every single episode of Missing ad-free plus our bonus show which along with Crawl Space, we're going to be doing one bonus show a week for this bonus feed. And you can access it at missing.supportingcast.fm. And we do mention at the end of this episode that we're making changes to our subscription service. Don't want to take up too much time right now talking about that. Just make sure you keep your ears open at the end of this episode. But there are changes coming to it. We've been working a few months trying to figure out like the best way to deliver all this content. We think we got it. So just stay tuned in the upcoming months. We're going to have some exciting developments regarding the subscription service and what each tier is going to bring you. $2.99 a month. You said 3 bucks a month. I think you're just making it easy to round up, but $2.99 a month. You're, you, 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 you overshot by a penny. <laughs> so what you're about to hear is our Hidden Opinions discussion, and Hidden Opinions is a show that we've done on Missing Premium for about seven months now. We have 30 Hidden Opinions episodes up there, so you can scroll back and check those out once you subscribe. But we like to discuss some of our thoughts on the cases that we cover. And today's episode, we spoke about serial killer Christopher Wilder and our recent episodes on him. And you said it really nicely before we recorded that this is almost like an epilogue to the episodes that we released about Christopher Wilder. And I'll just reiterate, we recorded this thinking it was going to be on the subscription feed. So this wasn't a decision made prior to recording. So you're you're getting like some really honest and colorful and raw opinions on a number of topics that came out of the Christopher Wilder uh, conversation that we had had when we recorded. It really left us all with a, a, a almost completely different mentality of how to look at people like Christopher Wilder and also the how the media treats people like that. And it. I don't know. I looked down at the recording. It was, we were at 40 minutes and I was like, this has been one of the best conversations you, myself and Jen have had in a long time. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was really great. And uh, I hope everyone enjoys it. But Lance, before we throw it to the audio from our missing subscription service, missing premium, um, I do want to mention a recent update on a missing persons case that we covered earlier this year. It was the disappearance of Jacob Dubois from Schertz, Texas. On September 14th, Schertz PD was notified that human remains were located and recovered within their jurisdiction, and they expedited the identification of the remains, and it was Jacob Dubois. That's right, and Jacob Dubois was last seen on March 7th of 2021, and the person of interest in his disappearance he was arrested for tampering with an investigation. Ethan Beckman is still incarcerated. It turns out we had some opinions on his disappearance, on Jacob's disappearance, and we thought that the police had worked him to the point where he had given up the location of the body. But based on the reports that have happened since, that doesn't seem to be the case at all. Seems like the body was found by individuals who have no connection to uh, either parties, either Ethan or Jacob. But... It's a development that's happened in a missing person case that we've talked about. So we will try to provide as many updates as possible as they come to us. Absolutely. Yeah. And Jacob's remains were found about 25 miles north of his home. And earlier this year, we did speak with his mom, Sylvia, and Ethan's fiance, Holly, on missing. And uh, it is a very emotional interview and, and conversation. So definitely check out that episode, especially now that we have learned some more information about the case. 
and our hearts really do go out to his family. It makes me think of Brandon Lawson's wife, Ledessa, when we were at CrimeCon and she spoke to the crowd and she'd said that they could go through the holiday season at least with something now after knowing that Brandon's body was found. So this would this just happened, you know, right at the kickoff of the holiday season. So this will be the first holiday season that they go through with the knowledge about where and what happened to their son and their boyfriend and their friend. So that is definitely going to be a bittersweet time for them and any support that you can show them, whether it's comments on YouTube or or anything uh, on social media to support them, please feel free to do so. And the official word into murder charges is it's just it's ongoing. That is the official quote. The investigation into the murder charges is ongoing. So we'll wait for word on that. All right, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening. Please follow us on social media at Missing CSM and check out our subscription service at missing.supportingcast.fm. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome back to Hidden Opinions. I am Tim here today with Jennifer Amell and Lancifarine Stierna. You know, Lance and I were just talking about at Obsessed Fest <laughs> that we hated those intros that you do, Tim. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> That's why we're going we're gonna to keep doing them. Yeah, do you think I do them because I think you enjoy them? It's for torture. <laughs> it's to get a reaction at the beginning of the show. Oh, yeah. That's fair. I think I would prefer it if Jen was... A Mel Sterna. That feels better mm. to me. <laughs> well, I'll try to keep changing it up. Yeah, it 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 really does keep you on on your toes. Because what else are you gonna do? Be like, hey, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I try to come with a certain energy to start the show yeah. off. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we are recording this on Friday, October fourteenth, twenty twenty two. We released a couple episodes this week about serial killer Christopher Wilder. As far as the content of those episodes, I'm not sure we held back a lot um, other than like calling him names and things like that, which we can do. I think I called him an asshole on one in one of those episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can keep doing that. Or, I mean, we can just get into sort of other issues that have uh, popped up over the week and things like that. But definitely go check out those episodes. I think they're really good. It, it, is, a, it is a wild story that you should hear. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. It's tough to talk about Christopher Wilder and all of the uh, horrific things that he did and not use the word wild. Like, it's very unfortunate that we have to do that. But what he did was bonkers. And you brought up, like, you called him an asshole and we can call him names. And that's something that's been coming up recently. And I like using this platform on Hidden Opinions to talk about these topics that come up with other content creators. And we were just recently talking about using the word monster and using the word asshole and how, like, using the word monster or evil for somebody like you could easily do for Christopher Wilder takes away from the actual um, deeds, the actual uh, crimes that they've committed because you've made them into, and I blame Thomas Harris for this, by inventing Hannibal Lecter. He invented, like, a cool serial killer, you know? And I'm kind of being tongue-in-cheek here, but people think about that, and they think about that type of uh, personality, and that does, it doesn't exist, you know? That's a hybrid of the way people in the media perceived a few different s- serial killers at the time. So he came up with this character. And these people aren't characters. They're... They're 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 like the most vile forms of of a living organism that you can imagine, and it's just fun to have. We we were talking with uh, 
Chelsea Weber Smith from American Hysteria about using the evil and monster and yeah. it's just it's interesting. Yeah, it dehumanizes them to a point um where I think it makes it easier for us to talk about this person if we think they're not like us. Um but that's not true. They're they are like us. They have blood, they have a heart that beats. They just have different desires than us. You know, I think it's a very rare thing um, for someone to act like that. It's even more rare for a serial killer to be like Hannibal Lecter um, and they're like buttoned up and uh, they're not like batshit crazy in in the other side of their life, you know? Yeah, like totally reserved and polite. Yeah. Yeah, right. Or particularly intelligent either. There's right. definitely that trope of like yeah. this, yeah. like, you know, evil genius plotting out his next murder, you know? But most of them are just like, you know, like dirty, unshaven idiots walking around who got lucky and are impulsive. And people are probably afraid to talk about them uh, to the authorities. Yeah, totally. I think that's a great word to describe Chris Wilder. Impulsive. Everything yeah. he did was on complete impulse. There was no thought to like, oh, I might get caught or definitely no thought to the suffering of the women he murdered. Of course. But yeah, it's an interesting question, like why we're driven to villainize, not villainize, but think of these these serial killers as like pure evil, like walking demons and stuff. And I think maybe it's it's like in a, an attempt to try to understand it, you know, because it's like the way we tell stories, we break things down into binaries, right? Like good and evil. And it's like, if you're good, you don't murder people. <laughs> um you know, there, there's no room for nuance in that discussion. It's like easier to digest in a way. But the truth of the matter is, is that Chris Wilder like had a business. Like we touched on this a lot in the episode, Lance. He kept saying you were so surprised that this man could like commit these heinous acts and then also have a normal, seemingly normal life on the other side of it. And yeah, it's it's crazy that those two things can exist at the same time. I was thinking about this after we recorded that you were how, how surprised you were at how surprised I was. <laughs> and then I realized I'm, I wasn't really surprised that that happened. I think I was surprised at how surprised I was. I think that's where <laughs> a lot of that, <laughs> I think that's where a lot of it came from because like I couldn't get past the fact and the three of us here, you know, have a company. We run it. We know how hard it is to do. And we know it takes a lot of focus and most of the energy that we have on a daily basis. And I just can't imagine at like 9 p.m. being like, you know, to my partner, hey, I'm going to go to the gym. And that's the ruse, <laughs> you know, and then I have this completely batshit life where I'm right. doing the most hor horrendous acts, like gluing people's eyes shut oh and God. strangling them. And then the next morning, what? I'm doing the books? <laughs> like I'm run crunching the numbers? Trying to find the Ohio unemplo unemployment number. <laughs> if anyone can find the Ohio unemployment number, For God forward sakes. it to me, please. For God's sake. Yeah. No, I definitely understand what you're saying. It does seem confusing that he could actually run a business um, and, and have that lifestyle. Um, we've definitely seen some killers who can sort of uh like like we mentioned btk i think briefly in the episode like he was a guy who had a family and i think with wilder in his case like he was all he was doing bad stuff he was raping and and probably killing like earlier than his crime spree but for for him to have like run a successful business and then just snap and he hit some point of no return that I think is the most interesting part for me because like with someone like BTK he just went he would have probably kept on doing what he was doing having his family life on one side and having his murder uh on the other side you know if he didn't get caught but Wilder that didn't happen with him you know he did he was one of those people who ran a successful business and had a life um and, but then was a killer but at some point both like it didn't matter like the other life didn't matter to him he wasn't trying to do anything with that he didn't care about it he just was on this mission to abduct and kill as many women as possible and to go out with it mm -hmm. yeah there's a definite like escalation period up to that point where he just snapped and like did whatever the fuck he wanted um, I'm thinking of um, Jeffrey Dahmer too I, there's probably other serial killers that have gone through this like period of escalation up to a point where like nothing else matters except the compulsion it's like 
Dahmer spent years like trying to, I mean, in his own words, trying to bury this compulsion and it would like come out um, with a few victims here and there, or he would, you know, move to just drugging men and then it escalated to murder. And then there was a period of time where it was like mere, like a mere week between victims and then mere days between victims. And that's what we're seeing with Wilder too. It's just like, who gives a fuck? Like I've already, you know, gone into the abyss. Right. And he's not even giving a shit whether or not he gets caught because he's leaving his ID at motels uh, when he's checking in. So he's not even thinking about repercussions and he's got a very fatalistic view of the whole thing, knowing that he's going to be taken out because he tells uh, the captive person that he had with him that he didn't want her with him when he died. So he knew something was going to happen. What about Alan Legier? That That's uh, someone that comes to mind that was on that mission it seemed like to to just die too like he was he was the guy that jordan bonaparte covered on the nighttime podcast we spoke to him about and he was like stalking the woods of this uh small canadian town and uh just like killing like elderly people in their house it was it was wild and like he never you know he didn't care about another life he was just on this path and then he got arrested and then he uh escaped i think he he uh I don't know, did some crazy tactics to get out of prison um, and then started the whole thing over again. Yeah, I got to revisit that. Right. What did he do to The monster of the Miramichi. It was uh, something with with urine, right? I think he escaped during prison transportation to the hospital for an ear infection that he gave himself by uh, depositing his own urine into his ear. Are we talking about just the difference between organized serial killers and disorganized serial killers? I think so. That's kind of what we're getting at, right? A little in a in a yeah, way. Yeah, like Keys, Ridgeway, those were organized. They probably would have gotten away with it uh, as long as they wanted to, because I think on some level, you know, Keys probably wanted to get caught. You know, because they don't make stupid mistakes. They've never made stupid mistakes prior to that. So maybe on some subconscious level, they wanted the notoriety. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm just like I'm not. I do not have any degree in what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should have Marianne White. Yeah, yeah. that's it. a good John call. Philpin on good here. Good call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but speaking of John Philpin, um, that brings us to Jane, and back to the whole uh, applying a moniker to people who are doing bad things. And she called her attacker an asshole. And we talked to and her about monster, that. Many times. And a monster. Yeah. But she wrapped it up really nice when she said that great line to you, Jen. That. Michael Nicolau was a bad man, but not my bad man. Mm-hmm. And that's like, there you go. Like that, that is almost spot on with what these people are. This who attacked Jane is a bad man. Michael Nicolau is a bad man. You know, mm-hmm. I think assholes okay to say, but yeah, you know, once you start getting into that, like supernatural aspect of it. Yeah. The things that don't exist, like monsters and evil and, demons and stuff yeah there's almost this like compulsion to turn them into paranormal entities right it's like turn them into boogeymen you know yeah you won't hear us doing that on this show um at this point maybe in the past we did that but um you know we we definitely i definitely make a conscious effort to not uh say that um i used to say monster all the time or evil Yeah. yeah yeah i mean i i'm sure i used to too here in this Alan Legier uh, thing I'm looking at, he's he was called the monster of Miramichi. Yeah, you know, I just I think it's a human thing to make it easier to try to make sense of in your own head. And definitely a media thing like that. Oh, like the sure. media is definitely charged mostly with making up nicknames for these serial killers um, right. because it's great on a headline and it grabs attention and stokes fear in people. Like nothing sells better than fear. The beauty queen killer does not stoke fear. It's not salacious and it's not to sell headlines, <laughs> sell papers. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. So that was Christopher Wilder. But yeah. Case. On that note, though, um, John Philpin, he's a you know decorated criminal profiler, forensic psychologist who worked on the uh, Connecticut River Valley cases. Um, but it's interesting. So he spent his life like trying to enter the mind of a serial killer t- in order to develop his psychological profiles to help catch these killers. Um, but interestingly, because he has to in some way empathize 
with these killers, he doesn't think of them as monsters. In fact, like it rubs him the wrong way when we call these people monsters. He said it um, in relation to Jane. Like, of course, he understands why she does that and thinks that way. But like for what he does for a living, he can't he can't think in those like binary terms, you know, found that interesting. Absolutely. I mean, they're not they're not going into a cave uh, at night that leads to hell. You know, they're going home. <laughs> You know, they're they're going to sleep. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be, I mean, he wouldn't be doing his job correctly if he was categorizing them as a, a ethereal entity mm-hmm. before even identifying them as a human being. Yeah, I mean, John's definitely a man who's interested in, like, the fringes of society, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, before... Well, he lives in a lighthouse. <laughs> he does live in a lighthouse. <laughs> Just kidding, he doesn't. Um, uh yeah well before he was a profiler he would work with uh male sex offenders like the worst of the worst you know the people that we like to write off as just too deranged and damaged to function Mm -hmm. in society and he made it his mission to to try and help these people to rehabilitate them and i'm not sure what his thoughts on if that's possible (laughs) but yeah it's an interesting place to go psychologically yeah. And it seems like he's he's led a tough life because of it. Yeah, well, people do things for a reason, right? I mean, figuring out why a serial killer has a compulsion to kill is definitely uh, a, 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 an elastic ball of, of mysteries. Like, they probably don't know, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, there's some impulse there that's driving them to do it. Like, we, we do things that we we're we're doing things for a reason all the time every day everybody is Mm -hmm. you know like a serial killer whose heart is beating is doing it for some purpose for themselves you know yeah and maybe like i'm thinking about so i finished the the Dahmer series the dramatized version on netflix which i know there's been a lot of feelings about and i too felt like conflicted watching it i thought it was a good series that it was well made and you know the guy who played what's his name evans Evan Evan Peters Peters yeah. Evan Peters I thought he was great in it and stuff but it's like the families of the victims are all over social media being like this is salacious this is re-traumatizing we didn't sign off on this they didn't need our permission to do this like they're really really against it and so it's like I think um because we do what we do like you're always questioning like what the ethical line is like and especially with this chris wilder case because it's not a normal thing that we cover especially on the on missing um you know but i was thinking it's like it's like these serial killers thrive on fear right especially wilder it's like he had that the one victim who he ended up not killing because maybe she didn't respond to him in the right way, didn't show him that fear, that fix of fear that he needed. So maybe like on a like grander level, on a societal level, like we need to keep revisiting these stories. We need to keep dramatizing it. We need to keep making documentaries and talking about it on podcast podcasts to dispel that fear. And maybe that's the function of it and not just like you know, being um, morbidly curious. It's a really good point. I mean, it's like rewriting history or not rewriting history or paying attention to history in in all categories. And this is part of history. And it makes me think about, again, John Philpin, his work with Gary Schaefer in the same area, and he did the profile that caught him. And then it probably felt like to him because he did that successfully, he would be able to do that with the River Valley killings and it didn't happen. Uh, so he's using his past experience to try to make something, to, to put the pieces together for something else later on. So it's kind of like in line with what you're saying. If we start forgetting about these things, if we don't dramatize them, if we don't put docuseries out there and podcasts out there, then it's just left to that monsterization of them. Right. And that fictionalization of them. And a growing fear. Right? And a growing fear. because Yeah, because it's uh, because the, the, the snowball rolling down the hill just keeps getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I think like at the end of the Dahmer series, I mean, you could definitely make the argument like that the filmmaker was trying to humanize Dahmer and like make you feel something for him like oh what a tough childhood he had he was damaged he was sick he was blah 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 which is true 
to some degree. I get how sickening that would be for uh, like a victim's family and stuff. But like the function of that, like at the end of that series, you're like, okay, Dahmer was a full human being. He did terrible, terrible things, but he was also, you know, what, what emerges, my point is, is what emerges is that Dahmer was like just weak and sick and not a monster, like not something to be feared generally. Does that make sense? Totally. I mean, as evidenced by what they did to him in prison. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a human being and was capable of being murdered. Yeah, yeah. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. No matter how far you run from them, childhood tragedies have a way of catching back up with you. So is true of elite scuba diver Veronica West, who is about to encounter something unexplainable at the bottom of the ocean, something that will draw her back to her home on Sinclair Island, Maine. There, she'll lead a dangerous rescue mission to the bottom of the Bay of Fundy, home of the world's largest tides, and something horrific down in the depths. Listen to Narcosis, the latest horror fiction show on Realm's premier horror channel, Undertow. Narcosis is available now. Search for Undertow, or Narcosis, wherever podcasts are served. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. I suppose other people have impulses to kill and don't, you know, and and so I think to your point, those would be people with more uh, inner strength than than he showed or he had. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. That's it's interesting to look at it like that. Like this is a, a weakness, you know, um, in that person, and it's obviously awful. Yeah. Right. And it, wow, we're going to give ourselves degrees in this by the time we're done this episode, because we talked a lot about like Christopher Wilder and why he did what he did. And a lot of it was obviously about power and dominating somebody. And why would you want to dominate somebody in such a way? Because you're trying to fill a weakness in yourself because you're sick of being the one that or you're, you know, hyper aware that you have this weakness in yourself. Mm -hmm. So how do you fix that? You dominate someone else. Right, and you give into it so easily, and it becomes like easier and easier until you yep. arrive at something like Wilder did, and like drive cross country on this like rampage. You know, that's like just weakness. And uh, yeah, and Wilder had um, some court appointed like therapy sessions, and one where him and the therapist were apparently talking about um, some murders that he did commit. Um, but I, you know, we didn't know in the episode like who brought that up. But I am very interested in that, and I do think that there's something in there that's when he, like, lost it. Like, he was able to control his impulses for uh, most of his life. I know he had um, some rapes and murders in in the past to get him to that therapist's office, Um, but he was there. 
So he was trying at a, on, on a certain level. Um, but then I think there was a point where he was like, I, I just don't want that. Like, I don't want to have to try that hard mm-hmm. to be something that I'm not. I'd rather mm-hmm. give in and then just go out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. If you think about it on like a, a smaller scale, like we go through those things daily. It's like, well, yeah. I I wish I could sleep better. Well, you know, what will help you sleep better is like Meditation. getting off of your phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meditation we would get, you know, there's all these practices like you could take a shower before bed. You can, you know, uh, turn the lights off. You can like get yourself into a state. But those are all behavioral practices that are like hard to implement, you know. So if you scale that up into a life or death sort of situation, the principle remains the same. It's just hard and they're too weak and don't have enough like empathy for other people to want to do that work, you know. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to need a nap after this. <laughs> a lot of thinking. <laughs> Getting to yeah, the bottom of intense. it. <laughs> I mean, it, it's uh, other than the the weakness part. It reminds me of people who are in um, AA, people who are alcoholics who are trying to stop drinking, and that takes so much work. And it's a disease, which I don't know if that is like very comparable to being a serial killer. It being a disease, slip. but I'm <laughs> right. I mean, there, it's yeah. like. But there's something that's going on in both of those brains that mm-hmm. is not allowing them or allowing them to do or not do certain things. And it takes a lot of work to do the thing that makes you better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you don't have empathy, then you're fucked. I mean, if, <laughs> if you're trying to not kill people and you don't have empathy. Yeah, you're not going to try that hard. You're, you know, you're not going to see <laughs> the no other reason side for of you. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to see why that's a bad thing you know, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. understand it really. If I'm walking Eric and like he's, he is like lollygagging and I give him a little pull, <laughs> like, come on. I'm like, oh, I feel so bad. <laughs> like that's, that is something that makes me feel bad because I'm, I'm not, I'm not even abused. Like it's, it's just a little tug. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Like if, if imagine like walking through life and not having like anything. This is, yeah, that's a really important point to note because there, there was a really interesting um, article written by a psychologist who was a self-professed sociopath, like, <laughs> oh. which is maybe a little worrying, but like interesting because she was saying, it's like, hey, I, I was not born knowing how to empathize, like, but I can learn. I can like learn strategies that it's not necessarily like, oh, I feel what you're feeling in the sense that, you know, most other people feel the things, but they give themselves rules to follow, to function in society. So it is possible to learn skill sets that replicate empathy. Um, it's not that it's impossible, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many sociopaths like walking around living normal lives. Fucking CEOs, billionaires. like Oh, yeah. <laughs> world leaders world leaders yeah yeah in some sense like if you're going to do things on grand scales you can't be like you know twisted up about every little action every little step you take so there's i guess function for sociopaths and stuff but it doesn't necessarily have to be like well sociopaths commit murder you know right no sociopaths can inspire people though you know and it's it's that's bizarre to me because it's like yeah you wouldn't get to that that position of power unless you have this like b- belief that you can get from other people like you, you could just show some kind of confidence that gets other people behind you you know yeah yeah like like l ron hubbard yeah. <laughs> you know like any founder of, re- of a religion you know you need to come with that character trait that is inspiring others and showing that like what i'm saying is worth following you should tweet mm-hmm. that lance all religious leaders are <laughs> Sociopaths. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get shot. <laughs> I realize I've said a lot of things during this that could be taken uh, in various ways. <laughs> it's a, well, it's like difficult talking about such a taboo subject. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we're we're made to feel guilty for being so interested in like the, like the dark recesses of you know society, mm-hmm. like serial killers and stuff, but. True crime is massive. Like the Dahmer series was number one on Netflix for like the minute it came out. Like people are fascinated. I don't know if 
guilt is a really helpful thing there. So I think it's worth talking about and worth unpacking. That's an interesting point. Yeah, we struggle with with titling this episode. We had a, these episodes. We had a a conversation about it, and we really couldn't figure out anything but serial killer Christopher Wilder um, to call it. Like if we just called it Christopher Wilder, it would have looked like oh, this guy named Christopher Wilder is missing, <laughs> you know. And but that's not what it is. So, and you can't just call him killer. Um, I, I, I guess I suppose we could have, but I think serial killer was more fitting. Um, but yeah. we had a whole conversation about it, you know, like one thing we definitely wouldn't have called them was, or the episodes were the beauty pageant or the beauty queen killer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I Well, and I, I'm sure, and we did talk about it on the episode and I'm sure people were wondering why we did that on missing. And once again, I'm thinking about the profiles that are written on these cases and how you have to reference back to previous ones to see a pattern in a new one. And this is a good example of that. I mean, these women were missing at one point and the circumstances may or may not be the same as another one that we've covered. So then you should be able to branch off from ones that are similar or dissimilar, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at someone else, you know, if you're looking into uh, another disappearance, like we, we just covered, um, Elliot Scott Roberts and there was no information on him absolutely no information so maybe there's a case 20 years ago where middle-aged men were being murdered by you know a spree killer or something you know I'm just saying like there's elements to each one that you can look at and say oh this one's similar there's a railroad track this is a small town in Tennessee yeah, I don't see how learning about other other cases is a yeah. bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. And there's still uh, some missing uh, victims of his that you know the current missing people. Exactly, exactly. Um, out there, yeah, and and you know as you mentioned, some of these cases or mo- most of the murder cases, these women were missing at one point. So we're looking at it uh, from a solved perspective, as in these cases were um, were solved. How did we get here? You know, and how. How can this inform us on our unsolved work? Because a case like you mentioned, Elliot Scott Roberts has like no information on it. How are you even going to begin to figure out what what happened to him if you don't have any idea of other missing persons cases? How That's a great, resolved. great example. Yeah. That are solved. Yeah. 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 yeah and even totally. just missing people, you know? Yeah. But but you do learn a lot more when, when they're solved, you know? You do. Yeah. Pattern finding is really important. And this yeah. kind of work. Question for the both of you, and I'm just coming off the uh, top of my head with this one. Do you think there's a difference between unsolved, unresolved, solved, and resolved? Because <laughs> we're saying resol- we're saying solved, case yeah. closed. That in my head is case closed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Resolved means we have an answer, but it's really not. You know, we're we're it's not all of the, you know. I's dotted and T's crossed on this one. Like, say you have a missing person and you find their remains, but you don't know what happened. Missing resolved, mm-hmm. but case not solved. Right. Like, right. we don't know the why. Right. Yeah. Okay, good. There it is. Yeah. The one you know the why, the other one you don't. Mm-hmm. Or the how, maybe? Or the yeah, how. It's, yeah. It yeah, it would be how and uh, not necessarily why, maybe, but yeah, at least how. Um. Mm-hmm. So there's gray to resolved yeah. and unresolved. Yeah, but I I think they are different. They they mean different things. I think in in what especially we're especially in this case, right? Or especially yeah. in, in this like what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His victims that were found um, murdered. You know those those cases are solved. Uh, they didn't really get judiciously resolved in, in any way. You know, so I I'm sure the families of those victims don't feel like that was resolved really you know yeah what an anticlimax for the families like yeah for him to take his own life in that manner yeah he's just you know prohibiting the families from getting their day in court and saying their peace and getting justice that way i mean but who knows i don't pretend to speak for the victims families maybe they're like good he's dead can't do it anymore right i mean we've we've heard similar things Mm -hmm. especially with your work in uh on dark valley jen like some family members have a very specific life that is not related to the past tragedy anymore Mm -hmm. yeah actually jane and i were just talking about that the other night on the phone 
because she she couldn't understand the reaction of another victim's sister um and that she she didn't want or didn't think it was important for um for people to understand the personality of her sister and like to humanize her sister who was murdered and Jane was just like, well, why not? Like, I, if that was my sister, I would totally want everybody. I would shout it from the rooftops, you know? It's like this that she lived, that she had a life, that it mattered. Whereas this other person deals with their grief much differently. And I wonder, I mean, you can't make any judgments on what's healthier, you know? But she was no, like... No, I think we should go through it. Who was right? Who was wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, I mean, she was like... Her point was like, you know, those who knew her knew her, and those who don't will never know her. And yeah, and that's just the way it has to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's valid. It's, yeah, all these all these ways of dealing with the idea of vengeance and closure, and, you know, they're all valid. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly Auto Parts Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. You know, during the recording of those episodes about Christopher Wilder, we had some conversations about which words to use. Which I think is important, especially when you're looking at this guy who is gone now and most of those cases are solved. There are still some unresolved ones and still some unsolved uh, oh. victims of his. Um, I see a trend. So happy I brought it up. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think we, we debated like certain details of the case and mm-hmm. is there value in using these words or putting this visual out there to our listeners? Yeah, it was a it was a really important kind of talk we had beforehand. Mm-hmm. So Wilder, trigger warning, I'm going to use the R word, but Wilder raped a lot of the women, most of the women he then murdered. And then he also tortured them too. And Lance, I think you brought up the point that it would be a disservice to what these women went through to not say what they went through, you know. Um, which I agree with. I agree with like, it's, we have a tendency to want to like sugarcoat things in a way. And I think that impulse comes out of like wanting to protect our listeners, like, because we care about them so much and we don't want to jar them or trigger them or, you know, you know, uh, make them hate us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And this was such a different kind of, uh, couple episodes that we did too, than what we normally do. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I know I was a little protective about some of the words and, uh, some of the details, like, you know, glue, gluing victims' eyeballs shut, like or eyelids shut. Like I didn't, I wasn't sure if the, all those details were necessary to put out there. Mm-hmm. And you might be right. I don't know. I don't. Know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what exactly was the right thing to do in that situation. But I had some some feelings about the word rape. Yeah. Uh, which I shared with you, Tim. I know it's like it's a scary word. It's a triggering word. It's a loaded word. But I had read somewhere I forget where it was but it's uh the aversion to the word rape itself is a male aversion to it because it's too difficult 
to take emotionally. Whereas women who do the majority of the experiencing of rape had to get comfortable with that word and don't want you to like try to suit, like smooth it over with a like sexual assault in some way. So that, that word is very, is a powerful word to use and appropriate in some situations. Yeah. Yeah. Once you told me that, like, honestly, and, and, uh, like, because I think that was, I was trying to be protective. Um, and I know we have mostly female listeners and I was trying to not jar them or trigger them. Um, but once you said it, I, you know, I, I understood and, uh, I can use that word. It, it's not even really triggering to me. It was really more about, uh, how I felt the listeners were going to take it. Yeah. Yeah. But in the same sense, like, like you just said it, you were trying to protect the women. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, well, the women have probably already experienced it in some way or know somebody, another woman who's experienced it. So like, is it yours to protect them from, right? right. Or is it yours to say like, hey, I recognize that this happens. Yeah. I don't know. It's difficult. It reminds me of what um, Nikki uh, Bell had said when we did uh, the live show with her in Worcester and she was a former sex worker, but she's like, I don't use that. I, you know, I'm a prostitute. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no reason to call it work. None of these women got into this, at least in her experience, saying, like, this is the occupation that I'm going to uh, now have for, like, this is my profession. Like, to make it into uh, a profession, sex work. (laughs) Yeah, like, it was a choice. Most of the women did not make that choice. They got into it out of necessity or they were forced. And to call it anything else is just... You know, sugarcoating. Look, what's the other term yeah. aside from sugarcoating? What, like, I don't know. But but that diminishing it, that issue is is a big deal out there. Like people have, you know, if you were to tweet, I, I'm not going to use yeah. sex worker anymore. I'm only going to call um, prostitutes prostitutes on the podcast. If you were to tweet that out there, you, you, the backlash <laughs> that you would get would let's be tr- insane. Let's try. I'll do it right <laughs> after my religious leaders are psychopaths tweet, but you're getting that from someone who actually did that. Yep. So how how are you being unethical about that? It's not even like secondhand. It's a woman who now runs a couple of shelter homes for former sex workers, former prostitutes, and to get them off the street. And so I mean, what's you know, someone someone who someone who's a podcaster who doesn't have that experience calling out, I just might do it just to see what happens. <laughs> Some like I mean, because what would be the other reaction if someone like Nikki Bell, I don't know if she's on Twitter, but if someone like her who went through it sees that and then responds to me and and says, I support that, you know, like what's the trade off? I think much like anything on Twitter or just the Internet, like you're going to find things that back up your side no matter what, you know, (laughs) 40 (laughs) minutes in and we're going to talk about Uh, you're totally right. You're totally right. People are waiting on Twitter for something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I I told you guys my story about working at the newspaper, but I'll tell it here. Um, So before I worked for you guys, I was a reporter for the for an LGBTQ newspaper in Philadelphia. Um, And uh, you think it's hard just being a normal person and using language in a very deliberate way. It's like when you're writing about the queer community, like they're understandably sensitive to information to uh, the language that Mm -hmm. you use. And my editor at the time was like, super left like definitely more left than I am Mm -hmm. um and I'm definitely like liberal so I was doing a piece on sex work and um you know women in in North Philly who were participating in sex work and like you know some organization that they were forming um and one person that I interviewed had the same thing to say as Nikki Bell did she's like don't call me a sex worker call me a prostitute call me a former prostitute Um, because I didn't choose this work quote unquote, and like, that's not my life and it's not the word I want to use. So I wrote it, brought it to my editor and she was like, you can't use that word. I was like, but yes, I can (laughs) because it's true. Like who's more woke than who? Like, do you get to speak for this woman whose experience and tell her experience is invalid or like, it's a crazy, crazy (laughs) thing that's happening. (laughs) It's a woke off. It's a woke off. Yeah. It's a woke off. Well, that is funny. Like... (laughs) All the people who have told us what to say and how to like what term to apply to uh, we'll just use 
prostitution, sex work, we'll use that for this example, probably have never done it. And the mm-hmm. ones who have done it, in your example, my example, our example, mm-hmm. they have been a part of it and they've told us that's not what we want. Mm-hmm. But we don't. Why aren't we listening to them? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's like in this in this like, you know, battle to not offend anyone. You are offending someone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're inevitably you offending do. someone. But are we learning? Are the people that we are, we're offending, is, are they providing any sort of like positive education? I don't know, man. Hard to say. Hard to say blank, like in blanket terms. I know. It's tough. Yeah. I would say in the the examples that you and I brought up, it's like these women who have had the experience that we're commenting on, like obviously I as the writer, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I need to say it, but I've never been a prostitute, but like I don't have that experience. And so you should let the person who had the experience kind of dictate how you talk about it. And you know, the thing I love about you two, Tim and Lance, <laughs> is that like, you guys listen if you're wrong and try to change. And I think that's the most important thing that you can do in this position behind the microphone. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I think if any of us consider ourselves the smartest people in the room, then we have a serious problem. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right kidding. well <laughs> well this has been a uh, a spirited uh chat here on uh hidden opinions are missing subscription service uh show do you guys have anything else i just have one more thing we um yeah. are going to be making some wonderful changes to the subscription service we had a meeting with our partners at Glassbox yesterday we wanted to make sure that everyone got as much information and as much content as they can out of the monthly fee that they spend for this and we also have our crawl space show. So we're talking about ways to bring those together. That'll be coming soon. But there's some really cool things that we're going to be doing on the um, the higher tier, which it really isn't even that expensive. But we're going to make an announcement soon. So stay tuned for that. I really couldn't be more excited about the subscription service. We've tried to do subscription services since we started. And we just didn't find that right foothold. But we have a couple of elements that are coming into play soon in the next month or so with this that are yeah. very, very, very exciting that as a listener, I would love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait until we start that stuff. All right, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.